0: Business Women Rock, Episode 23. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock Podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible businesswomen. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up ladies? Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast. I am so happy that you're here with me today. I really just want to take a second to thank you so much for supporting this show and for listening and for sharing these stories from women in your life who could really benefit from them. I truly am so appreciative of that. This community just continues to grow. I know it's because that you are just like me, that you truly believe in shedding light on other great businesswomen who are doing some awesome stuff and just allowing us all the opportunity to really support one another and bring each other up. And that has been the philosophy of every single one of my guests. And it's just been so much fun. And I know that's why this Business Women Rock community has really been thriving. So thank you. It means the world to me that you're here. It means the world to me that you're a part of this community, that you're a part of this entire movement of really bringing each other up. I absolutely love it. And speaking of the great women of this community, today is Business Women Wednesday, where we highlight one great, incredible businesswoman who's a part of the Business Women Rock community. Today, we're highlighting Cassandra Gaines. Cassandra is a recognized tourism executive for the state of Oklahoma. She's very well known for the Oklahoma Historical Black Town Tour, and she's been named one of the top 50 women of the year in the state of Oklahoma. She's a breast cancer survivor, and she has started her own organization called Women Who Care. She's a mom, she's a grandma, she's an innovator, she's doing tons of stuff to support the heritage of Oklahoma. And Cassandra, I just want to salute you. You're incredible. And I got to tell you that you have a huge list of accolades. Ladies, if you want to read more about Cassandra, please go to bizwomenrock.com where you will see her highlighted under the Business Women Wednesday section. And now on with the show. My guest today is Rhonda Shear, who is the founder of Shear Enterprises. Shear Enterprises really focuses on all things undergarment. So the ladies, lingerie, the bras, the panties, all the cute stuff in between. You probably know her name from her Hollywood career, uh, most notably for her series Up All Night, and she's been a stand-up comedian. She's been in Playboy. She just has a huge Hollywood history at this point in her life. Sheer Enterprises has been a huge business endeavor for her that has been massively successful. The year of one of her products launches, the Abra, The company brought in $72 million in revenue. The product sold 30 million units around the world in 34 different countries. She has an incredible story. So the first half of this interview really is going to delve into how she even got to Hollywood, the experience she had in Hollywood, because it really lays the groundwork for her work ethic, for how she's built this company and what she's done. And then the latter part of the interview really focuses on sheer enterprises and the business model and what's going on there. She is incredibly incredibly energetic, very creative, and such an incredible storyteller. So I know you're going to have a great time. So turn up that volume. Let's roll. Rhonda, I really am so excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for sitting down with I'm me. I'm excited to be here with you. Ah, oh, I am sitting here live in your office in St. Petersburg, Florida, and um, and it's just such a joy. Uh, very visually stunning place, by the way. <laughs> Sheer Enterprises is all about the undergarments and the lace and the beauty and the the bras, so uh, it's a we very... We
1: wanted it to be romantic, and, and my office is the most girly of all, so it's, it's definitely a combination of my past Hollywood with some... Uh, memorabilia on the walls along with um, an interest that I used to have not quite as much today is doll collecting. Yeah. I had my own line of dolls for a moment there. Some old trophies from when I uh, was a pageant girl. So all of these things are memories to me but they're also part of what I do today. So it all comes full circle.
0: You are so diverse in not only your business background, but just your experience that you've had. So I, I want to get a li- like lay a little foundation for that first. So I want to okay. tell us a little bit about how you grew up so we can really understand why you have the fire that you have. <laughs> so
1: tell us a little bit about your upbringing. I always kid because I'm from New Orleans, so I'd say it was something in my mother's gumbo. Um, <laughs> I was the fourth of four children and the baby, and definitely I don't think I was a planned uh, baby, but anyway, that's fine. And, um... Kind of cool. My parent, my father, very humble beginnings. He actually worked for his brother-in-laws in the automotive parts business. The cool thing about that was my mother's side, who started this, my grandmother on my mother's side, was a single businesswoman at a time in automobile parts in New Orleans, migrated from Russia. Her husband passed. She, he moved from Russia with her, passed very early, like the age of 30. So she was running... A business of automotive parts with five children. My mother being the baby of that family. So, I think that a lot of strength comes from my family background, tenacity, and competitiveness. So, I definitely got that. So, long story short, my father um, ended up starting his own sort of the same business, except more truck parts for for big truck fleets and rebuilding of engines. And not a very glamorous business. So. I didn't have a lot to do with it other than I knew that it was allowing me to enter pageants because <laughs> uh, I was really at the tail end. I have a sister that's 16 years older than me, a brother 10 years older and one 9 years older. So um, You were the oops baby. I was the, the oops. <laughs> so, um, but I was very proud and saw what my father went through because he actually started his business, his own. He worked for his family until he was 50 and through a series of things he started you know at 50 years old so that was kind of rough back then to start still had I think three of us home and uh, to start all brand new your own business so I actually sat in on meetings I was a child but listening to my father just even financing a business from ground zero so and I guess it all sticks with you so great beginnings I had a very supportive family in my showbiz endeavors and how that came out is I was the kid in grammar school who they kind of made fun of because I had curly hair and I was very uh, shy, believe it or not, so then, but then over over the period from grammar school, into, we had junior high, I developed, so I sprouted things, <laughs> and with the sprouting, which all comes back to what I do today, I, I got a little confidence, because when I got to this new school, boys were noticing me, and they were being sweet, and so I'm like, what is this? I didn't really understand, but I kind of understood. You know, I got very competitive, and I ran for student council, and I was a cheerleader, and... I went from being totally unpopular to popular all because that I had some
0: curves. curves. <laughs>
1: wow. There you go. So, but lo and behold, I actually, when junior high, met my first sweetheart, Van Fagan, who is now my husband. So he was my very first sweetheart, first love, first kiss, first everything. We reunited after 25 years and got together and started this company. That's so serendipity, though. Um, things are meant to be. Yeah. He was not meant to be in the first part of my showbiz life. It just wouldn't have worked. He was yeah. very jealous. And I just don't think I would have ever taken the Hollywood. Maybe I would have been a different course, but I wouldn't have gone and followed my Hollywood dreams. Mm. So I'm really glad that I did, even though I got married for the first time. In my mid 40s, to Van, my very first sweetheart. So, but I use all of those things, all of those very beginning things I did, the competitions from the beauty pageants, being Miss Louisiana, dancing on a local dance show, um, all the things that I did, I use now in my business, and it's still. There's definitely there was a fire in me for competitiveness. Now, it wasn't competitive uh, so much against the other girl or the other thing. It was about being the best that I could be because I, if you look around, there's. Far more beautiful, far more intelligent people, but I, I just wanted to make my own little niche. So I always had the saying you have to catch their attention. Once you have your attention, then you show them what you got. I'm going to come and circle back around to your love story with Mm -hmm. Van because
0: that's so integral to what you're doing right Right. now. But before that, I really want to delve into kind of what happened in Hollywood. First and foremost, tell us really how you got there. Like, you know, you were doing these pageants, you were getting used to this sort of competitive attention, let's say.
1: In New Orleans, I was a very big fish. Um, Well, my Hollywood story is really kind of cool too because... uh, I graduated from Loyola. My parents just wanted, as they said back in the day, four sheepskins, which meant four diplomas on the wall. All four kids graduated from college, which my father, I was he was very proud since neither one of them did that. So that was an accomplishment for him for all four children to do that. So I had to finish school, which I did, and I stayed in town for that. But I was also modeling and these pageants, and Playboy came through town. And that's also so integral in my life today. But Playboy magazine was looking to do an issue called Girls of the New South. And my modeling agency said, do you want to meet with them? I said, sure. Well, I knew I wasn't going to take my clothes off. My parents were very conservative, and I was conservative, and I was really young. But I was still curious. I wanted to meet the photographer and the people from Playboy. So I said, it can't hurt. So I go out, and I meet the photographer and whoever was representing Playboy at the time. And I said, well, I guess I'm wasting your time. Because they were interested, I could tell. Because I, I don't want to just throw." Um, and, and they told me, they said, you don't have to, because when we do these big articles like this, we shoot some girls, you know, in different states of undress and, and dress. <laughs> and back then, they, they would put a few pictures and totally dressed. They said, but let's do something themed around who you are and, and your pageants or whatever. Well, I had been, you know, queen of Floral Trail Society, and where you wore like this big antebellum scarlet Hauer gown. So they photographed me in the Scarlett O'Hara gown at a plantation. And the picture showed up where I received $200 for that picture showing up in Playboy. That was my big payoff. <laughs> it was the little snapshot snap shot size. And the weird thing that came out of that was back then Playboy had a different connotation down south. Even though I was closed, I was dab in the middle of a page with women that weren't clothed around me. And I was reigning as the Floral Trail Society Queen, which was not a pageant that you... That you won. It was like a social honor. Your parents donated so much money, and then you're selected from a group of women to represent the Floral Trail, which was basically beautifying parks and and, um, roadways back then. But it was a big deal in New Orleans. That social Mardi Gras thing all ties in. Anyway, because it wasn't a pageant like Miss Louisiana, the Floral Trail Society got really upset over the connotation of Playboy and dethroned me. Right away. Right away. So um, I filed a lawsuit against the floral trail because I did nothing wrong I was totally clothed to be reinstated as their queen because my parents had put up money and the floral that event was happening like a month later and so it went to court and I had like Jimmy Fitzmorris and who was the lieutenant governor of the state and all the Blaine Kern who's virtually owns Mardi Gras, all these big people in New Orleans testified on my behalf that this young lady is a fine young lady, her parents are upstanding in the community, she should not be dethroned, she should reign as queen, and um, at the end of of about a seven hour court (laughs) hearing, it ended up that the, the judge said that he felt that he could not reinstate me as queen, but that I could file for monetary damages which would have been my modeling career and all that. But that time, there wasn't that much monetary damages to file for. But what it did do is that, hell hath no fury is a woman (laughs) scorned. The president of the Floral Trail Society, I'm sure it was his wife, not him, but that gentleman was running for public office in New Orleans. My sister, who's a little mischievous, who's 16 years older than me, said, you need to run against him. Just throw your name in the hat just to mess with him. Because he, you know, he's the reason that you're off the floral trail site. You didn't rain, And I just finished college. And I was ready to get going with whatever I was ready to get going with. And so I signed up. I signed up. I, I, next thing you know, I'm running against an 82-year-old incumbent, this gentleman who was an attorney, another guy who just threw his name in the ring, probably just so we would buy him out. Because people do that. They, they want to be paid off if you get them out. Because really? it's that fourth party or fourth, that sometimes will take votes. Will split vote. So, right. so it was this four four ring circus, and I ran for office. In the beginning, it was it was a joke, but all of a sudden, my speaking ability and all my pageant ability and all the things I did, I'm speaking in front of hundreds of people, and I'm making sense because I did my homework. I went and researched this office and actually found a platform that everything was below sea level, and we know what happened to Katrina in New Orleans, where these deeds were kept, and that I wanted to bring it above sea level, and back then there wasn't a computer, but you know, to, to move them to microfilm before you were born, <laughs> but um, I ended up losing by 35 votes, and, and, and received like 35,000 votes, in a, which was huge back then, wow. I mean, so people were taking notice, people were taking notice, so I'm like, wow, this is blowing my mind, I wanted to... Part of me wanted to stay in New Orleans and be a news anchor. Part of me wanted to go to Hollywood and try acting. Another part wanted to run for public office again. I was the first woman to ever run for office in New Orleans or in Louisiana, and I was the youngest woman to ever run. Then I thought you had to be a lawyer to be a politician back then, so I applied to law school and was accepted. But I was like, okay, I was just out of school. I asked my parents, can I please go to Hollywood for the summer? I need a break. And they said, okay, but you need to be in school. No, I just finished school. I enrolled in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, and it was a school, but it was for drama. And some of the best actors in Hollywood go there. It's incredible training. And um, pretty much that was it. I never went home for 26 years. I mean, went home, but I mean, I didn't move out of Los Angeles for 26 years. Uh, had beginner's luck audition for a Bob Hope special. My agent sent me on that. I thought it was just going to be me and a few girls. There was a thousand girls waiting in line. It was an open call, but then that old competitive. Beauty Queen Spirit came back in like I, I, I gotta get this. They were picking six girls out of a thousand and I said, I I've gotta get this. So I stood in line all day long. They narrowed the fifth the thousand down to hundred, the hundred down to fifty, the fifty down to whatever. Um, I think yeah, I think it was fifty or twenty-five that ended up going in front of Bob Hope himself the next day. When I finally got in front of him and he was interviewing me, he and his daughter for a Bob Hope special. I just remember I'm a dancer, I'm from New Orleans. And when I said I'm a dancer, I, I, hey, you're a dancer. I kicked my shoe up and it landed almost on his head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, it flipped up into the air, landed on the desk where he was interviewing me from. And I went, Well, I got noticed and I got it. I got wow. it. So that just, it was this beginner's luck. That was my very first thing I did. And that led to my being on a Happy Days, which was like awesome to work with. You know, people, I grew up idolizing the Fawns and all these people. And that just, one thing led to another and just really had, I I, I never stopped working, although I'm probably best known for things I did later in Hollywood.
0: But when I went and was doing research on sort of all the accolades that you had in Hollywood, all the movies that you've been a part of, all the TV shows that you've been a part of, I mean, I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I mean,
1: you have a ton ton. of experience under your belt. I worked really hard at working. Back then, you had to knock on doors. I mean, I moved out there in, in late 1978. And you saw, I still saw a little bit of old Hollywood, which was kind of cool. But you had to knock on doors to get to agents. You had to knock on doors to get to be seen. There was no... You had to pick up the telephone. And, and you're some young something from somewhere, Some, you know, with a million young somethings from somewhere that just came in. And, um, again, my theory was that competitive spirit, though, to, uh, just to keep doing it. And I enrolled in a comedy class. And that came back from my insecurity, going all the way back to grammar school about feeling insecure, about my nose. I have a little bit of a different nose now. And my hair. And so I always thought if I made people laugh, then in my mind, they didn't notice things. Or even though I was a beauty queen, I didn't like my butt so much or the size of it. So I, I knew how to like turn a certain way, angles, so that the judges would look at my face and not the backside. So I had these little tricks that I taught myself, you know. So. By